0: hey Hey, welcome everybody it's good to see you guys here uh, worshiping with us i got a good word for you i'm dressed up you know as you know whenever you see me dressed up means i preach for the the vietnamese service which also means the message is probably half shorter than it usually is right oh no one's clapping oh no oh, no you're not supposed to clap for that all right usually i was expecting a clap yeah all right hey guys um we are in the month of November, which is my favorite month, by the way, um, but it's been uh, just bombarded with so many crazy news and bad news and and lots of things happening. So we want to uh, create a, just a really short series on giving thanks, having thankful hearts, right? Uh, it's, and it's hard to be thankful in a crazy year like 2020. It's hard because we have seen people die, people that have been close to us or people we know has passed away. Uh, it's hard to be thankful because there's a lot of political chaos going on in the world today. There's a lot of economic crisis that people are encountering. You know, in the countries that we are, uh, that we do mission work, like Peru, they are pretty much in big trouble because of COVID. And so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happening out there that is hard to give thanks for, right? But I want us to be able to learn to give thanks in the midst of all of that because when we learn to give thanks in the midst of these Struggles in the midst of the ups and the downs in our life. We learn to find uh, growth in our faith. We learn to find peace in the midst of struggles. And we learn to find wisdom in the midst of situations happening before us. Last week we talked about giving thanks in the midst of death. This week I want to talk about giving thanks in the midst of racial and cultural differences. What does it mean to be thankful amidst racial and cultural differences? differences. That is the word for today, and I hope that you would uh, follow along, okay? If you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 14, what does it mean to be thankful amidst racial and cultural differences? First thing we're going to learn, we're going to recognize we need each other's differences. First thing first, what does it mean? It means that we need to recognize that we need each other's differences. Let me say that one more time in case you missed it. We need each other's differences. Okay, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let me read this for you guys, and I'll explain it. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does for God has accepted him. And so what we see in the letter that Paul writes to the church in Rome, we see there's two groups of Christians in the church, two racially different groups of Christians. We see one were the Greeks in that time who became Christians. And we also see that there were Jewish people who became Christian. Greeks and Jews in this church together. Racially, very different. Culturally, very, very different. And we see that there's a dispute that comes up between these two races and these two cultures. And one of the major disputes they had was the dispute about dietary laws. Specifically, the Jewish people, the Jewish Christians had a problem about dietary laws. If you go down to verse 14, let me read that for you guys real fast. This is Paul speaking about that. Chapter 14, verses 14, it says this. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him, it is unclean. All right. So the Jewish people, they were, they they had this deeply rooted cultural foundation of their life. And their rooted foundation was, we got to eat specific food that the Bible considers clean, and we got to avoid food that the Bible considers unclean. Specifically, when I say the Bible, I'm talking about the Old Testament laws here. Now, let me tell you real fast why those laws were there in the first place in the Old Testament, the dietary laws, right? Because if we follow them, then none of y'all can eat seafood anymore, okay? So let me figure this out for you guys, so I'm gonna save you guys this, uh, this argument later, okay? The purpose for the laws for the Old Testament Jewish people, the purpose for why God gave these dietary laws was this one, it was to help Israel keep their national identity. It was to help Israel remember we are a chosen nation that was meant to be blessing to the other nations. We are separate, distinct and unique people of God that God has chosen to be a blessing for those around them. So the dietary laws was meant to help Israel remember we are distinct, unique God's people. Okay? Help to remember their national identity. Yes follow? Okay? And the second rule for the Old Testament laws The second reason for it was to drill into the hearts of the Israelite people that you cannot come before God without some sort of cleansing. It was to continuously remind them as they're eating these food, clean and unclean, it was to give them this visual picture of before I even come before the presence of my God, I have to remember that there's a cleansing that I must have. Right, So the laws provide an identity and the laws provide a, a, um, a metaphor or an a, a analogy to cleansing for them. So it becomes part of their heritage, part of their culture. You guys follow? Okay? That's the reason for the laws. Not just because God said, you know, lobsters are bad, don't eat that, right? It was, there was a reason for that and there was, a, there was a purpose for that. Now, in the New Testament, what happens? New Testament, what happens? Jesus fulfills the law. The Bible says Jesus has fulfilled the law. It means this. It means that your identity is no longer in your national heritage or your cultural heritage. Your identity, who you are before God as a son and daughter is built through Jesus. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in your heritage, it's not found in your race, it's not found in your culture, your identity is found in Jesus. You guys get me? Hang in there, okay, I got to give you the information before I give you the oomphs, okay, the oomphs is coming. All right, so Jesus fulfills the law, he tells them you have an identity in me, and also Jesus becomes what? The only way that you can become clean before God. Jesus is the only way that you can become clean before god that's why the bible says jesus has fulfilled the laws but guess what if you grew up with a deep natural heritage it's hard to break those rooted uh cultural uh biasness that you've had right it's hard even to this day my mom like wherever we go to eat you know the one thing she always says i can eat whatever but i just gotta have a bowl of rice i'm like, mom. It's like filet mignon right here. We got lobster. It's like, yeah, I know, but I gotta have a bowl of rice. You know why? Because deeply rooted cultural, racial heritage, right? And so for the Jews, it was the same thing. Even though they knew that they were believers in Jesus Christ, they knew that they still hung to their what? Dietary laws. You see the problem? You see the issue? So in Rome, the Church of Rome, two Christian groups, Jewish Christians. Greek Christians, they were having a dispute. They were having differences in regards to the food they ate. Now, this is what Paul says about these Jewish Christians. Look at chapter 15, verse 1, okay? Chapter 15, verse 1. Paul says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. He calls these Jewish Christians who are still holding on to their dietary laws as? W, weak. He calls them weak, not like the way brothers call brothers weak. He calls them weak in faith because, although they have accepted the gospel into their life, they have not let or understood the full ramification of the gospel. And had to continue to do what? To eat these things to feel secure about their spiritual walk. They've accepted the gospel. They accepted Jesus Christ into their life. But they have not allowed for the full ramification of the gospel to enter into their hearts, into their souls, into their psyche. So they held on to these dietary laws to make them feel a little bit secure. And so Paul calls these Jewish Christians, what? Weak versus the Greek Christians he would consider to be strong. You guys get me? Okay. Comparing this, real fast, okay? Comparing this to the church in Corinth. There's another church, church in the city of Corinth. They also had disputable issues, also Jewish Christians and Greek Christians. They had also a problem about food. But their problem about food was what? We don't want to eat food that's been sacrificed to idols, that's been blessed by a priest for a temple that's not God, right? And who do you think was the one struggling with food sacrificed to idols? It was the Greek Christians. You guys get me? It was the Greek Christians. So guess what Paul called them in the church of Corinth? He called them weak, right? Versus the Jewish Christians in the church of Corinth, he called them strong. You guys get me? All right, so what do we see here? We see on one side, the church of Rome, we got the Greek Christians who understand the ramification of the gospel, don't stick to the dietary laws like the Jewish people are. Right? We got the Greeks who are strong, the Jews who were weak in this area. In the Church of Corinth, what do we see? We see that the Greeks were a little weaker in this area when they believed. You know, the Jews were like, "Food is food; it don't matter where it came from. It's still food, right? Idols aren't even real anyway. So, what matters? What does? It, who cares? Paul calls the Greek weak. He calls the Jews strong. Now, what's the point here? The point is this. The point is we all have to have each other. Because it's in having the differences of our culture that we were able to see the fuller picture of the gospel. See, in the church of Rome, the Greeks needed the what? They needed the Jews to speak this truth so they can see the gospel fuller. In the church of Corinth, the Greeks needed the Jews so that they can see the gospel fuller. You guys get the difference here? My point is our race and our culture has a huge impact in our day-to-day decisions. Is a huge impact in our lives. But we need each other's differences in order, in order that we may see the beauty of the gospel more fully. It is not in forcing everyone to become like us or like-minded, but it's in our differences of our culture that we begin to see the expression of God more beautifully. Okay. Our culture differences is a problem because it causes drama all the time, right? Racial is, uh, racial differences is a problem because it causes drama all the time. But at the same time, it's also the solution for the gospel. Okay. What does it mean to be thankful amidst racial and cultural differences? It means this: recognizing we need each other's differences. We need each other's differences. You know, the adults in our our, our church, you know what I've been learning from them a lot is uh, this picture of spiritual priority. You guys know what I'm talking about? Spiritual priority. Not just about coming to church like G2 was talking about. I mean, that's part of it too, right? Spiritual priority. That in their minds, God becomes not just a back burner issue that's convenient, but in their mind, God and the worship of God and the following of God and the obedience of God is a priority to their life. And as I watch the faith of our, of our, of our parents, I'm just I'm, I'm dumbfounded. And I realize they put real heavy priority in their spiritual life. Right? Something that we can definitely learn from. You guys get me? But at the same time, they can learn from us too. They can learn reality. Right? It don't matter how awesome you are, right? A germ is a germ, right? You got to be smart about it. See, the Bible says you worship God with what? Spirit and truth. It's not just spirit by itself. It's not just truth by itself. It is spirit and truth. You need the differences in order to see the gospel Fuller. The most arrogant thing you can possibly think is, because they're different from me, I'm not going to pay attention to them. The gospel is this beautiful thing that connects all culture, all race, all differences together. And in our differences, we're able to see the gospel more fuller. You guys get me? Right? I remember I went to a, a, a black gospel church one time. And you know, when they worship, like they worship, it, it ain't it ain't like... Ain't, I mean, this is as crazy as I get right here. Mm, praise the Lord, you know, hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. But when they worship, it's not just, it's just all over the place, you know? And I always ask them, like, man, how how, how come there's so much energy in you? You know, like, it's cause, you know, y'all don't understand. Like, when we say y'all, what do you mean by you right? Like, like, like y'all not I'm not black? You're like, they're like, well, I didn't want to say that, but yeah, y'all just don't understand. When the spirit hits you, it hits you, right? And I was like, all right, that's, 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 I get that, right? But you know what you learn from that? You learn to see the gospel fuller, right? That they see an expression of the worship of their God in, their bi- in, in a different light. I think something they can learn a little bit from me, right? Sometimes you don't have to be all flancy and flashy to worship God, that you can worship in humility, in the quietness of your home, with the door shut. You don't have to be like announcing it to the world, which is also in the Bible, yes? Right? You gotta learn. You guys get me? We need each other's differences in order to see the gospel fuller. So in the midst of our racial and our cultural divide, the way that you can become thankful rather than become bitter is to look at somebody and say, you know what, I need you. I need you because you are different. Not that I exclude you because you are different. All right? So here's the second thing. How do we... What does it mean to be faithful or thankful in the midst of cultural and racial differences? It means this, willing to accept the one who is different. Willing to accept the one who is different. Uh, Chapter 14, verse 1, check it out. It says this, accept him whose faith is weak. The Bible says what? Accept. Everybody say accept. Accept. Accept the weak. The word accept means to draw them in. It means to welcome someone. It means that you adjust your life. You adjust your life in all kinds of way to bring someone in who is culturally and very different from you. To make space for them in your life. Meaning you don't just say, like, you know what, you're different. I don't want anything to do with you. But rather you say, I accept you in the midst of your differences. I want to have a place for you in my life where I can get to know you. Where I can connect with you. Where I can understand what you stand for and what you believe, okay? Now, here's the thing, guys. To accept someone does not mean, let me say it one more time, to accept someone does not mean that you have to hold to all of their position. To accept someone does not mean you draw, uh, it does not mean you draw them in only if they are willing to change to accept your position, okay? So you can't just say, I accept you as long as you eventually do what I do. That's not accepting, okay? To accept someone is to draw them in, in spite of the differences, and to walk alongside them. See, verse 14 and verse 23, I'm not going to read it for you guys, but what Paul is saying is this. Don't do something that will cause your brother to stumble. Those who are strong, don't do things that will cause your brother to stumble. Check verse 14 and verse 23. You guys can read it in a little bit, but it says this. Paul is saying you must be careful what you say, what you post. What you comment on. You have to refrain yourself from doing what you normally would do. You're trying to build a relationship with someone who is different from you culturally and different from you in belief-wise. To accept somebody, it means to draw them in. To adjust your life, to make room for them in your life. Rather than say, you're different. I don't get along with you. I don't like what you're saying. I don't like the fact that you're doing that. Therefore, I will not have you in my life, and I exclude you from that. Paul is saying, accept the weaker brother, to draw them in, to adjust your life, to connect with them. Now, let me ask you this question. Does that mean that you have to accept their wrongs? If they're sinning, if they're doing something that is obviously against the word of God, does that mean that you accept their position or accept them out of love? The answer is no, you do not accept them out of that, right? But you're willing to do what, though? You're still willing to get close to them. You're still willing to make every effort to see their side. You're still willing to understand why they believe what they believe. You get close enough to them to see the advantage and the strength of their position. You guys understand this naturally. Your parents do this for you naturally. They accept you in spite of you, right? They accept you in spite of the things that you spout all the time. They accept you because why? They love you. But that does not mean that they agree with everything about you. There's something wrong with this generation when we begin to say the only way that you can accept me is that you have to agree with me. The Bible does not say that. See, Paul does not say that at all. To recognize each other, to, to recognize we need each other, does not necessarily mean that we have to agree about everything with one another. Right? You're trying to get close enough to them. To see the advantage and the strength of their position. Here's the thing. It's hard work to accept someone. Isn't it? It is hard work to draw someone in. It is hard work to adjust your life for them. It is hard work to do that. So you know what we do? Our natural go-to is we don't. We don't accept Right? We'd rather go around and hang out with people who think the same way as we do, who act the same way as we do, who feel the same way as we do, who believe in the same way we do. right? Because to accept someone would mean you have to, you have to do the hard work of changing your life, changing your time schedule, making allotment for their life into yours, bringing them into, drawing them into your life. Right? We don't want to do the hard work. Life is easier if you just stick to those you know and those who are the same as you. That's true. It is easier. But you will never know Jesus completely without the hard work of accepting. Yes, follow? It's easy to not accept. But you will never know your God fuller without the other person next to you. I've said this many times. Whenever we have someone who leaves the church... Or have to go somewhere because they move on or whatnot or they, they, they go to work somewhere. I always say, to lose you is to lose a piece of what God has shown me through you. To lose you is to, to, to lose a part of a picture that God has done through you. I will never hear another laugh like, God, like the one God has given to you, right? To lose you is to lose a piece of my knowledge of who God is. You will never know Jesus completely without doing the hard work of accepting. What does it it mean to be thankful in the midst of racial and cultural differences? It means, church, that you have to recognize that you need the other person. You need the differences in the other person. Whether it's by race, whether it's by culture, you need to know their differences. And you need to have those differences. But here's the thing. Chapter 15, verse 2. This is not just about people in the church. This is not just about dealing with people in the church. It's talking about who else. Verse 2. Each of us, chapter 15, verse 2. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. The Bible is talking not just about people in the church that are racially, culturally different from you. But it's talking also about your neighbor. And who is my neighbor? My neighbor is the question you would ask. And guess what? Jesus answered this question a long time ago, right? When someone asked him, who is my neighbor? Jesus, and Jesus said, the story of the good Samaritan. And the heart of that story, you know what it is? A neighbor is not someone who just lives next to you. A neighbor is not someone who you like. A neighbor is someone that you may even consider to be your enemy. Someone that you consider to have nothing in common with you. To be almost antithetical to your belief system. Your neighbor is not necessarily your friend. And so Paul is saying this. You can be thankful in the midst of racial and cultural differences when one, the people of God, recognize that God is not homogenous. He did not create differences in people. So that we can just kind of exclude ourselves from each other. That in these differences, we recognize we need one another to see God. But secondly, secondly, we're willing to accept the one who is different. We're willing to accept the one who is different. Not just in church, but also as our neighbor. Also those who are very clearly different from us. See, for a Christian, the only requirement that you have to have a relationship with someone, the only requirement that they need in order for you to build a relationship with them is if they're breathing. That's it. That's the only requirement. Are you breathing? Oh, we need to have a relationship. All right? That is the only requirement that's called for a believer. Let me tell you guys something. Your parents are very different from you. Amen? Right? Their their political system, their way they're thinking is very, very different from you, yes? Right? I'm gonna tell you one thing. They need you, they need your differences, but guess what? You need them too. Because you ain't gonna see the fullness of the gospel without them, and they will not see the fullness of the gospel without you. And I know you're thinking, hey, PT, don't just preach to us. hey, I just preached this to your parents, right? I said the exact same thing to them. So hopefully y'all is going to be all nice with each other now, right? But the, the heart of it is, the heart of it is, we need each other's differences. And you need to learn to accept the one who is different, to draw them in, to make space for them, to understand why they stand for what they stand for, to to to. To represent their side just as fairly as you represent your side in a conversation. What does it mean to be thankful amidst racial and and cultural differences? Recognize we need each other's differences. And two, be willing to accept the one who is different. And thirdly, how do we do this, PT? It's hard. It's hard to accept. It's hard to do this work. Where do we get the power to do this? And the answer is... Jesus amen chapter 15 verse 3 to 7 let me read this to you guys for even Christ did not please himself but as it is written the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scripture we might have hope May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Let me say that one more time. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's verse 7 right, right here. Accept one another, then, just as. Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Jesus Christ went to the cross when you and him were diametrically opposed to one another. Jesus Christ went to the cross and he recognized how completely different you were from him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you were enemies to God. You were enemies to God. Completely wrong, completely anti him. And yet, and yet, in the midst of how different you were to the living God, what did he do? What did he do? He made room for you. He accepted you. How? He saw your side. He became man. He walked the walk of a human being, he understood the temptation that you go through in life, money, sex, drugs, and power. He understood the things that cause men and women to stumble, he walked in your shoes. He made room for you, and in making room for you, understanding you, he still chose to die for you. He drew you in. He didn't cast you out. So how arrogant is it, you guys realize? How arrogant is it when all of a sudden our hearts begin to start saying and speaking words like they don't agree with me, therefore I don't want to deal with them. How arrogant is it to say that I can't accept them because of the way that they are acting, thinking, and feeling. How arrogant is it then when your God was willing to save you, willing to die for you, in the midst of how much you were anti him, against him, rebellious towards him, he made space for you. He brought you in. He accepted you. He adjusted himself from divinity to humanity for you. In spite of your wrong, he accepted and made peace with you. So what do we do, church? What do we do? Go do likewise. Recognize that you need the differences in one another. I don't know who's a Democrat or a Republican or Libertarian or whatever, the Greenpeace New Deal or whatever, right? I don't know where you guys are. But you know what I, I know? I need you. I need you in my life. I need to see it the way you see it. Right? I do. And above all, we need to learn to accept one another. I'm not saying to accept each other. It means to, like, if you're doing something dumb, that I'm like, oh, yeah, I accept you. No. But it's to come alongside you. To make space for conversation. To make space for connection to make space for relationship not acquaintances here not just mere hello how you doing let's move on with our life but to make space for you so that i can call you my brother i can call you my sister i can call you my family in spite of our differences recognizing that in our differences you and i help to see the picture of god more fully amen accept one another the bible says not just each other in the church, but to your neighbors as well. To your neighbors as well. All right. And the power to do so is only when you begin to always look at the cross of Jesus Christ and see what he has done for you. It's so crazy. It's, to me, it blows my mind. It's almost inconsistent in my mind that if you would arrogantly think that God owes you something, that he would do that for you. That you are unwilling to die for another person. There's an arrogance there, there's a hypocrisy there. But if you are humble enough to recognize that He was willing to die for you, then I believe there's a humility that you can come alongside another person and walk with them in their life. So do so in the power of the cross. Let's pray.